In today's episode, we've got reselling news, a great conversation, and a little bit more. And it starts right now. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 27 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and as always, I am coming to you from the Batcave. Happy New Year. I hope that 2021 is a much better year for everyone. Resellers maybe didn't really have all that bad of a 2020. There are a lot of folks in this business who think that 2020 was kind of a rare opportunity because of the pandemic to really capitalize on reselling, particularly if you sold games, video games, puzzles, books, movies, those sorts of things. You, this may have been a prime, prime year for you. So if that was the case, let me know in the comments or shoot me an email at galaxycds at gmail.com. But for the rest of us and for the wider society at large, let's hope that 2021 is in fact a better year. I'm not the kind of person who does New Year's resolutions. I'm one of those folks that thinks if you weren't planning on doing it already, New Year's Day is not going to make any difference. So I don't really do New Year's resolutions. I do make plans throughout the course of a year, things I want to do different, things I want to grow. And I do have some stuff kind of in the works that we'll talk about probably down the road. But for New Year's resolutions, surviving another year (laughs) uh, is probably my biggest one. I did want to just do a quick, I'm going to do a full business recap in the Wednesday episode where I've moved all that to. But I did want to take just one quick moment to take a quick look at 2020 just from the standpoint of kind of revenue streams and what my business kind of looked like overall. I actually had, when I went back and looked at it, I had 11 different revenue streams. Now, to be fair, 96% of my income came from one revenue stream, and that was eBay. But there were several thousand dollars throughout the course of the year that came from other sources, things like Bonanza, uh, things like sponsorship for the podcast and YouTube, uh, some writing I did on medium.com, live sales, a garage sale, that sort of stuff. So there was, I'd like it to be more balanced than 96% eBay and 4% everything else. So that's one of the things that I'll be working towards and have been working towards for 2021. But I was really surprised when I went back and started pulling the numbers for the year that I had that many different areas that I was able to make little bits of money here and there that helped balance things out. Again, let me know in the comments, how many revenue streams do you have? What kind of things are you looking to do going forward with your revenue? Do you have plans to expand your horizons into more things, grow your YouTube channel, expand your platforms from one or two, get into Amazon FBA? What is it you're looking to do for 2021 to grow your business? News updates. So let's talk about just a little wee bit of news for the week. Not a lot of stuff going on. In in some cases, this is actually things that ultimately ended up not going on. I talked about, I think it was last week, how Mercari had ponied up to sponsor the Texas Bowl. It was announced on December 29th, so this was several days ago, that due to COVID issues in the TCU football program, the Mercari Texas Bowl was canceled. (laughs) Uh, And I think I alluded to that possibility while I was talking about this sponsorship deal. So I don't know if, you know, Mercari will not have to pay or if they'll get some money back. I don't know how that is all going to shake out, but the game ultimately was canceled. It was scheduled for last Thursday night um, and did not take place. So hopefully everyone within the TCU football program is well and healthy and recovers. But yeah, for Mercari, money uh, potentially not well spent, and hopefully they get some of their money back. <laughs> uh, moving on, and a site called MakeUseOf.com. I think last week I talked about a an article 
in the UK about different sites that you could sell on. Make Use Of has a similar article, uh, and I, of course, will link to it in the show notes and the video description below. Five best sites to sell your secondhand items online. Uh, What do you do with the stuff that's collecting dust in your home? Try these online marketplaces that buy and sell secondhand products of all types. This was a really interesting article because it went into some some really specific sites. I'm not going to recap the whole thing, but I will hit the high points. Uh, The best site for selling clothes, they say, is Poshmark, a virtual marketplace that specializes in clothing and fashion-related goods. You can use the app to create your own virtual closet and sell on the go. This uh, site was founded in the U.S., expanded to Canada in 2019, and they do have plans to enter more countries in the future. Uh, I'm sure they especially want to do that since they are going public. Um, What sets Poshmark apart from other online fashion marketplaces is the community features that echo a resemblance to major social media sites like Facebook and Instagram. You can amass followers, share listings from other sellers, and like or comment on other sellers' listings. That's the part of it that all just sounds like way too much work for me. <laughs> uh, and I've talked about in the past. I don't. I'm not a clothing seller anyway. I've got a few things in my assortment, uh, but by and large, I don't seek out clothing. It's just not a niche that I'm interested in. I do hats. I love hats, but clothing. Um, it's just not something I'm interested in, and which is one of the beauties, really, of reselling. We've talked about it previously. If, if you don't like a particular niche, you don't have to do it. If you are really excited and passionate about something, that's that's what you can do. And there's a space in the marketplace for you and for that. So uh, more power to the Poshmark sellers who go through all that stuff, but it is not my bag. <laughs> uh, best site for selling vinyl records discogs.com. I've talked about discogs in the past. I don't sell there, uh, but I do use that site extensively for research. I love that they give you all the information on a record, the various pressings that were available. So you get some sense of which one you have and what its value is. But like I said, I don't currently sell there. It is an international site. There are hundreds of thousands of listings. So if you have records, even if you don't ultimately sell on the site. That is a really great site to use for research. The best site for selling sneakers, they say, is StockX, which I've heard of repeatedly in the sneaker game. So if you're a sneaker seller or thinking about getting into sneakers, uh, check out StockX. There is a site recommendation for reselling gift cards called Raise. There are a ton of sites out there that do this. They recommend this particular one. There's a bunch of articles this week about gift card scams online, people selling gift cards that have already been used and so on. Uh, The Better Business Bureau actually has come out uh, with a warning against one particular seller. So this is an area that's fraught with fraud, uh, but uh, they recommend raise.com. After setting your desired price, there are no auction-style listings. You are guaranteed to get 85% of the sale price once the card is sold. Raise takes a 15% commission from the selling price. The best site for selling luxury goods, if that's your thing, they say is The Real Real. Uh, Online marketplace for authenticated luxury goods. The Real Real platform differs substantially in how your items are sold compared to other online marketplaces. You can book an expert consultation to have a video chat about pricing or an online consignment appointment with a luxury manager to discuss if your items are appropriate for the real real. Once you are ready to part ways with your luxury goods, you can send them to the real real HQ for authentication with free UPS pickup. Uh, if any of you are using the real real, let me know in the comments below. Um, I've heard of this site. I don't deal in luxury goods, but uh, let me know how that site is working for you. So a real interesting article. Like I said, I will link to it if you want to read more details, but, but that's that's some pretty cool stuff. Lastly, for the news this week, <clears throat> the five worst PR disasters of 2020. I'm not going to cover all five of them. I'm only going to highlight the one they call number three. And we've talked about this on this podcast previously on numerous occasions, eBay's alleged harassment of newsletter publishers, including by sending porn to neighbors and live roaches to their home. (laughs) Uh, Man, 
the gift that just keeps giving. Although the alleged events happened in 2019, the details only came to light in an indictment this June, followed by predictably bad publicity. Six former staffers were charged with conspiracy to commit cyberstalking and witness tampering. They're said to have harassed critics by, among other tactics, posting ads inviting strangers to their home for sex. Shockingly, eBay's former chief communications officer reportedly told a former top security officer at the company that he wanted one of the newsletter publishers, quote, done. I want to see ashes. So uh, eBay continues to get in the news for this periodically. Uh, Bloomberg considers it one of the five worst PR disasters of 2020. <laughs> so with that, we're going to take a really quick sponsor break for those of you listening on the podcast, and we will be right back with a really great reselling conversation with a fella named Jimmy Jackson. Stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts and you want to do me a solid, please leave me a review. That would be awesome. If you're listening anywhere else, there's a link in the show notes to my Podchaser page where you can also go and leave a review. Be sure to check me out on YouTube at Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips and follow me on Instagram at Galaxy CDs Rocks. Thanks again. Hey everybody, welcome to another Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast interview. Today, we're doing something completely different. In the first three interviews, I've talked to fairly seasoned resellers who also happen to do a lot of social media and YouTube and all of that kind of stuff. Today, we're talking to a fairly new reseller who's not into any of that just yet. Please give a warm Galaxian welcome to Jimmy Jackson. Hey, oh, I love it. <laughs> How's it going, man? Good, good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Just uh, living here in in my own little slice of the earth, and right. So tell and, us, uh, get into reselling. Yeah, for tell the first us a little bit. This year, where where are you? What do you do? Give us the, so, the nickel tour. Yeah, yeah. So I I live in Oklahoma City, um, and uh, I just started reselling at the start of the pandemic. Um, Good timing, I, that. Yeah. Was I, that uh, intentional or did it just work out that way? It just kind of worked out that way. So I actually, I've always been interested in reselling. And when I was a kid, I would go to like garage sales with my mom uh, all the time. And she would actually like buy like video games uh, and take them to GameStop and trade them in so I could get the stuff that I actually wanted. And you actually made out okay on that deal? Because typically GameStop is like, a, this is worth <laughs> <Yeah>. a quarter. <laughs> uh, as far as I know, I did. Um, <laughs> this was quite a while ago. So, uh, yeah. So, and I would do that type of thing. Um, but I always loved, you know, hunting for a bargain. It was always sort of my, you know, it was always, it always felt good to get that good deal on something. Right. Um, and so I, I moved to Oklahoma city, uh, for college and I actually am a musician, um, full time. Um, well, part of my full time. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and so when the pandemic started, turns out you can't play music anywhere right. uh, and have gigs. So I was like, well, I don't really know what to do all that much. My, my nine to five that I also have as like, it'll pay the bills, but you know, I'm used to sort of filling time with playing music, going to rehearsals, playing sure. gigs, that type of thing. And, uh, I had been watching some YouTube of people who resell. Um, who were you like, watching? Uh, do you recall? Uh, yeah. Cincinnati picker yep. and, and Lonnie over at garage and shed flips, yep. you know, um, I feel like those are kind of the classics. Uh, and that's so, kind of the big two. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was watching them and, and I just kind of t- asked, asked my wife, I said, Hey, I, I think I want to do this. What do you think? And she was like, I think you should go for it. And so, um, we started just selling stuff that we already had. Right. Um, that I'd collected over the years, you know, w- whatever it was. And I was just like, I don't need all this crap anymore. <laughs> so yep. I just kind of started selling it. Um, 
And after I started selling things, uh, I, I, I caught the, the bug, you right. know, I was like, Oh, I like this. This yeah. is great. Yep. Um, yeah. The first time you get so, a big hit, you sell something like, uh, I talked about it really early on in my YouTube videos, but I was, I had a record store, which we'll get into the whole music thing here in a bit, but yeah, for sure. I want to, I had a lot of CDs left over from that. And one of the first ones I listed was, a it was a rare kind of self-released album from the revivalists and i put it up at auction for like 9.99 and the thing went for like 120 bucks and i was like yep i like this <laughs> you're like this is not bad yep. <laughs> yeah um but it quickly uh became a way for me to um go to or go to uh to pay off uh some student loan debt. And so that's really my goal with reselling is to, um, is to pay off all of my wife's car, my car and, um, my student loan debt. Nice. That's like, that's sort of my, my part-time goal. Yeah. Awesome. So when, when the pandemic started, what, what's your actual full-time job? So, so my full-time job is also in music. It's, um, I work at this college, called uh the academy of contemporary music okay and um it's downtown here in oklahoma city it was started by um the manager of the flaming lips very cool Um, yes uh and so i actually was a student there that's what i came to oklahoma city for uh to become you know to go to school there and that type of thing and uh i looking back it was a little bold of me but uh, that my second semester I walked into his office and I was like, listen, I know how to play the drums. I didn't come here just to learn that. I came here to like get, make connections. So like, what's up basically <laughs> like, totally out of line basically. Right. <laughs> and he was like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, like I think he kind of liked that about me. Sure. And he, uh, he let me uh, work for him for free basically for, six to nine months, uh, being an intern. And when I start wanting to get out of, um, the restaurant industry, because I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, he was like, all right, cool. I'll I'll hire you. And so I started working for him and then that turned into getting a job at the school itself. And so I actually run the venue at our school. We have like a, uh, we used to have a 500 person venue. Now we have a 200 person venue cap venue, you know, how many people we can get in there. And, um, and so again, not a great time to be running a venue because nothing can happen. Right. So have you been able to do any shows or is it? So we've been, we've done a few, um, at the school we have not, uh, we, we've, we've pretty much are kind of not, we're kind of under strict, like, let's not do anything, you know. Um, but as far as uh, playing music, I've done um, quite a few in uh, churches and stuff like that um, because they don't have quite the same restrictions. Sure. Um, and so the band I actually play with full-time is a is a uh, worship band. And so we, uh, we've been able to do a few things here and there. Um, but even those are, are not... Uh, too often because of, you know, the circumstances we are all in. Right, right. So the the band, were you able, prior to that, was it making you enough money? Because I know a lot of, obviously, like I said, I had a record store and I dealt with a lot of like local area independent bands and the cover bands all made money, but the bands that were doing originals really struggled. Were you able to <laughs> make enough money on that gig to kind of have those same goals that you have with reselling or is this... <sighs> I mean, sort of, I, I didn't, so like to be completely honest and transparent, whenever I was in college and playing music and making money, that was money that I could just blow on whatever I wanted. And so, um, you know, that's sort of, I, I started collecting records, um, started collecting CDs, started collecting DVDs, you know, that type of thing. And so, um. I think a lot of that is now being moved to eBay. <laughs> right. Uh, all that stuff I collected and selling on eBay, which is, um, which is, is nice. So, uh, 
it's never been enough to sustain me full time yet. Sure. But, um, I do have a, uh, there is a dream of mine where I, I sell, you know, I, I resell and play music full time. And, uh, I don't, I don't think it's that hard or that far off of a possibility. Right. I think probably for a lot of people, once the pandemic is done, that kind of stuff will shake loose because you're going to have obviously more opportunities for the band, more opportunities to source and all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, God willing, the vaccine does everything it's supposed to do. And, you know, by summer, things have shaken loose. So do you have something in particular that you specialize in? You mentioned, you know, your CDs and the records kind of out of your own collection. When you go out looking for stuff, are you looking for anything particular? So most of the time I'm looking for video games, honestly, um, just because I do have experience with that. With the records, um, unless it's something really rare, um, I don't like to mess with it all that much just because I am not a professional grader. I I don't – it gets so in the weeds. Yeah on some of that stuff that it just kind of stresses me out, yep, <laughs> you know, yep. like I talked about that in one of my episodes and I get yeah, that question sure. a lot. Um, record grading is, it's more of an art probably than a science. There's no real cut and dry. What one person thinks may be very good may for somebody else be good, or it may be like new. And it just, like you say, you're totally in the weeds and you send the thing clear across country and then you start getting hate mail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's, that's the last thing I need right now is somebody getting mad because I, I graded a record very good when it should have been good plus, you know? Right. Yep. <laughs> um, but there are some like, you know, if something's rare, um, you know, that's sort of like the condition while it matters, doesn't matter as much. I feel more comfortable definitely like selling that. Um, but I'm also lucky that we have an incredible record store here in Oklahoma city. Um, called guest room records yeah and um they their uh you know trade-in or selling process is very nice and very easy um so do you flip stuff to them you go to garage sale estate sale and find a big box of records and then you know take it to them and try to 2x your money or something like that yeah um i haven't been uh as lucky as finding stuff in the wild yet um, just because there was, there was like most of the summer I tried to be semi careful and not going to too many garage sales just cause I, I feel really confident. And then I'd like go to one and I get really freaked out about the, the, the virus and be like, Oh gosh, okay. Maybe I'll just like stay at home for a week, you know? Right. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's definitely, I think that that is there where it's like, I think that that relationship could, could happen and, and make sense. Um, for sure. Nice. So, yeah, I had kind of gone the other way with a big buy. I had a a record store that had a bunch of CDs that they didn't want to mess with. Their space was really too small. It would have been another whole store, the size of the one they already had. So I ended up buying that big 8,000 CD lot that I talk about twice a week for the last six months, but (laughs) yeah, I, uh, I gotta, I'm not going to lie and and say, I'm when I saw you get that buy, I was like, man, that I would love to get my hands on that. That is, is I love just the, the like sifting through all that stuff just cause I love music so much. It's, it's, you know, it's like Christmas morning almost. And right. you don't have to keep any of it because you can listen to it all on Spotify anyways, you know? <laughs> right. I was going to say, do you, I, I, I've joked numerous times. I, I had my record store until 2012 when Spotify came to the U S and that was pretty much the death knell for me. And now I'm, I've gone to the dark side. Everything is Spotify. I don't actually own any CDs or records personally. Do you have stuff that you intend to keep from your collection or have you gone completely digital? Absolutely. Um, I I've kept like, um, anything that has any sort of sentimental value to me. Um, so if like my, when I started getting into records in high school, my, my dad gave me all his old records. Sure. Um, and my, my grandpa gave me, you know, well, my grandma gave me my grandpa's records cause it's after he had passed away. Um, so like I have my grandpa's copy of Folsom prison blues, you know? Nice. Um, and it's got his like little name tag on it. And it's like, that's something that I will always, right. Always keep and cherish. But, um, yeah, like if, if I have records that it's like, if, if I want, 
the experience of getting to sit down and and put this on and uh, and kind of cherish that, have that full on experience. Um, I'll keep it on vinyl, but um, yeah, and that is that's that, a I mean, that's a totally different listening experience. the The sound, notwithstanding, just the act of halfway through it, you got to take it off and flip it over, and it's just a lot yeah. more interactive, I think, than certainly than streaming something where you just click a icon on your phone and all of a sudden you're listening to millions of songs. I think people miss that. I think that's one of the reasons independent record stores continue to do well. And I know we're way out in the weeds in terms of reselling here, but <laughs> I, know, I, know, I don't I get know. to talk it's... about record stores very often. So hey man, I'm, all, I'm always <laughs> willing to talk about the record store thing. Um, right before we closed down uh, in March, we were uh, at the school. We were, um, we were playing in a big record swap with like 75 vendors and uh, doing like a whole thing. And it was, I was so excited uh, and very sad that it had to be, be postponed. Yeah. Those are, those are fun events. I used to yeah. um, back before I had my record store, I would go to one. They did one here locally about twice a year and a bunch of buddies of mine and I would go and it was just, it was a great day flipping through the bins of all kinds of old stuff. And it was kind of the same experience like you said, with that big lot of CDs, flipping through that stuff was very nostalgic. There was a lot of stuff there from, you know, my days of collecting and then my days of the record store. And it really brought back a lot of really good memories. And then sharing those things out on Instagram or Facebook really brought like a groundswell of people that had been in my store back you know, yeah. oh, I remember when this album came out, it was such a good time when you did a midnight sale for this or that or whatever. So it was really, it was a great experience that whatever, it took me six weeks to sort through all that stuff. Most of yeah. which is still sitting in my garage, unfortunately, <laughs> but <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's the nature of the beast, I think. Um, but yeah, I, 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 the, 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 to kind of, I guess, steer the ship back towards reselling a bit. I, uh, the, the act of digging through those crates of vinyl and digging through, you know, crates of CDs or, um, whatever, it's the same thing going to Goodwill. It's the same thing going to a garage sale. I love the hunt. Yep. Um, it's, it's my favorite thing. Um, you know, cause you never know what you're going to find. Right. Um, and that's, that's exciting to yep. me. Uh, yeah. So. Some, you'll go out. I've had days where I've gone to 12, 13, sales and just whiff strikeout strikeout say <laughs> yeah. i mean nothing and you're like ah oh, i'm just i'm gonna go home and you pass by and you see one more sign you know garage sale and so you go down because you don't want to go home with nothing and then boom it's a gold mine and that is such a rush and i think that's why people that's the part that people really really like about reselling mm -hmm. it's the other end of it then once you get all that stuff home the process of listing. So tell me a little bit about how you do that. What's your, as a new reseller, how did you figure out a, what platforms you wanted to sell on and tell us a little bit about which ones you are on and yeah. then what's your kind of process for listing and storing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I, um, I sell right now exclusively on eBay, uh, just cause it seems like the, I like, I like the idea of like Amazon and selling the new things on Amazon, but everything that I have to sell right now, isn't that. Right. Um, and so it's, it's definitely eBay is the better, the better spot I think for me. Um, so getting into like the listing process, I, I had no idea, um, what I was kind of getting into it. So everything from listing to picture taking to, um, I didn't know anything about shipping things. Uh, and that was definitely, um, that was definitely a learning process. Yeah. But, that's, uh, that's the one that catches out. I think most new sellers is the shipping. What, what things you can and can't ship media rate. And if you yes. can't, what are, what are the rates for first class? When does it go to priority? How big is the yeah. box? And yeah, it gets messy quickly. <laughs> is it, yeah. Is it, is it better to use a medium flat rate or stuff it in a flat rate, you know, uh, padded envelope or use my own bubble mailer, you know, yep. all that kind of stuff is, um, definitely a learning process for me, but I do think that if you can get over that hump um, and it's really not that bad 
if you can do it, I think you are ahead of a lot of people. Um, and I've actually had multiple friends now come to me and be like, can you help me ship this thing? And in my head, I'm like, oh, this is so easy. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I remember where I was, you know, in March and I was like, what, you know? Yep. Um, but, uh, so I'm, I mentioned it earlier. My wife, you know, encouraged me to, to try this whole thing and do it. Um, she also is a rock star because she has let me take over the second bedroom of our apartment. That was my DJ next question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so um, earlier when we were trying to uh, do this whole thing and I was in another room, that was the eBay room. So I bought some shelving at uh, Home Depot, threw it up and got a desk and uh, I do all of my eBay work out of there. Um are you storing so, everything in there as well, or do you have like a storage unit? How much stuff do you have? Yeah, so I have a storage unit as well that I just keep sort of incoming. Like if I get something, I just put it in there. Um, it's also where like when we cleared out that bedroom and decided what we were going to keep and what we were going to get rid of, um, I took all of that stuff that was like, I'm going to sell this, and I I put it in the storage unit um, to kind of sort through bag one bag at a time, almost um, just so I don't get too bogged down with having everything around me all the time. Right. How many, Um, how many items do you have up at most times in your eBay store? So right now I'm around 150 to 200, um, which isn't great, but it also is, um, it's pretty manageable for me having a full-time job as well as, you know, playing music and that type of, th- not that the music thing is too busy right now, but there are still things that pop up from time to time. I do a lot of like the booking and uh, behind the scenes work for our band as well. Um, and so, you know, having to work on that type of thing and then also keep up with an eBay store. I, as much as I'd like to be full-time and just like focus on that and have, you know, a thousand listings or something. Uh, it's not really feasible for me right now. Right. And, um, I'm, I, the pace I'm going at is I, I, I feel like it's a good pace for me that I'm not going to, I don't want to burn myself out, you know? Right. Um, and so, yeah. And so I, you know, ha- watching all the YouTube channels I watch, uh, you know, reselling YouTube, I, I came up with an inventory system with some shelf names. So, um, wanted to make sure that I didn't get lost, lost in the, uh, in the insanity that can be. Yeah. Um, cause that's the worst yeah. feeling in the world. You get an order, especially if it happens to be a fairly expensive item and then you have no idea where it's at. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean with, with, you know, with 200 listings, it's not too terrible to sort, sort through all that, but, um, I do like, I want to continue to build this. And so I want to make sure I set things in place early. Right. Um, that I can kind of carry, you know, so it's not, uh, you know, not too, uh, unmanageable when I get to a point where it's like, Oh no, you know, there's there's too much going on. Yeah. So how do you, how do you do that? How do you plan your time? How do you budget you know, when, when am I going to work on this? When am I going to work on that? Do you have a system or is it just kind of as things come up, you shift gears? Yeah, I, um, I try to, uh, every morning. So right now with my full-time job, thankfully I'm only working in the office in the afternoon. Um, and so I'm working from home in the morning, which means, I can have a little more, you know, uh, leeway when it comes to, um, spending my time. So I, I still, you know, we have meetings and that type of thing that I will, um, attend, uh, are the students but, in class now or is it all remote learning or? Yeah. So it, it was actually this really weird setup where every room classroom in the school got, um, these really nice tracking cameras and video setups and so half the students were in class and half the students were over Zoom. Um, and so it was this really bizarre sort of like block type of setup. Um, Do they switch can, back and forth on so, some classes? But some classes it was like, okay, you're in, you know, you're in music 
uh, we have a class called music culture. So it's like you're in music culture online this semester because you got, you know, delegated into the online section, but your next class is, you know, beginning piano and that is in person. So you have to make sure that you are at a computer doing your zoom class and going to actual physical class. So it's, it's a little crazy. Um, but being at the school with the students, you could definitely tell that it was, it was a weird semester. Um, obviously, (laughs) but, uh, but having, you know, sort of half and half, I think everyone got really tired a lot quicker. Yeah. Um, that's a whole extra layer of stress on everybody. And I don't, I don't, I think people underestimate how much that kind of stress fatigues you. (laughs) Yeah. And also, um, one of our instructors, she was talking to me about this concept of zoom fatigue, which is, there's some studies that have been done, I guess that like being, you know, in a classroom and being on zoom, um, you know, the, the students will feel tired differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and having that video chat zoom fatigue. So she started implementing like an hour long, like it would be like a three hour class. So she would teach lecture for an hour and then they would break for an hour and, and there'd be like an activity or, um, you know, something that you could do like on your own that wasn't required to be on zoom. And then she would lecture for another hour. And that started to kind of help the students, um, not get so burnt out just being on video for three straight hours or something. Right. I can remember it was a long, long time ago, but I can remember sitting in two and three hour lectures and it was all you could do to sit through it in person. I can't imagine sitting here looking at this for three hours nonstop. And then then you're, you're at home and you're like, there's so many other things I could be doing right now. (laughs) Right. And I got, you know, Josie, the cat rubbing up against me wanting whatever. And yeah, I I totally get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, but, uh, but so in terms of, of managing that time, um, in the morning, I'll usually pack and ship orders. Um, and then, uh, when I get home, I'll list, uh, you know, whatever I want to list for that day. Um, and then I can move from that to sort of focusing on getting ready to actually go to work. Um, and then in the evenings at sometimes I'll, um, you know, I'll list things or, you know, if my wife's like going to watch a TV show or, um, she's been playing a lot of animal crossing, uh, you know, <laughs> over the pandemic. So if she's, if she's working on her Island, I'll, uh, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know, sit at the dining room table and list some items. So, um, have you thought about post pandemic as things start to go back to normal, what your workflow is going to have to look like at that point? I have, and it's a little, I feel like I'm gonna, it's going to be another adjustment, just sort of getting into um, a new rhythm. But uh, my thought is I, I get off work at 5.30. My wife gets off work at 6.30. So I'm thinking if I can squeeze some listings in on that hour, um, then that might be a good, a good time. But we'll see. I don't know. It's um, it definitely it's something I want to continue, but something I'm going to have to – you know, make time for, uh, right. as it goes on. So I think, I think I have, I don't have an exact plan, but I think there will be one. It will yeah. be made clear to me. So you mentioned the, you can see maybe down the road, looking at this as a full-time opportunity. What, what would be the trigger that says, okay, I'm, I'm at X amount of listings or my business is doing X amount. What do you think would be the thing that pushed you over the edge to say, yes, I can, I can make this full-time. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or have you thought I, that far ahead? <laughs> I, I have. Yeah. Um, I would have to make, I'd have to be consistently making what I'm making at my full-time job now. Um, just for me to feel comfortable with that, which I mean, isn't too far. I mean, that's not, that's not an outrageous thought, you know? Um, so I think if I see those trends moving towards, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm able to, uh, you know, make this X amount with this much time. If I don't have a job right? and I have this amount of time and I can say, okay, if I can make the same amount in that amount of time, then that 
starts to, you know, look really good. Um, I, yeah, like I said, I, I still have lots of student loan debt. So, um, that's also a factor is, is getting the, you talk about it, right? Like your, your cost of living is, is fairly low. And so right. if, if I can get my cost of living down by paying off some of that student loan debt, then, uh, starts to look more and more appetizing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like you say, if you can get the, the two car notes paid off and the student loan debt, at least into a more manageable area, then things start to open up a little bit, but that's good that you've got kind of that stair step. Cause a lot of people, they do what I did. They just kind of jump in <laughs> and yeah. the, you know, I made that same calculation that you just talked about the, the track from if I'm doing this amount of hours and I extrapolate it another 20 hours a week, then my income should go to point B and it's not quite that linear. And I think a lot of people that make that leap kind of get caught out. Um, I was fortunate, like I've talked about in some of my episodes where I had some money saved up and I could afford for it to be a bloodbath for a while. And (laughs) until I got it going, um, and I, I lucked out that didn't turn out to be the case, but it was definitely the, the numbers didn't move in the way that I expected to initially. And then eventually everything kind of got there. So, yeah, I, um, having, you know, a, uh, you know, having a, you know, we have three, this is sort of silly, but we have a dog and three guinea pigs who, for whatever reason, have to go to the vet all the time. So (laughs) keeping those type of costs in mind, I I tend to be a a little more cautious. Um, And as much as I'd love to be like, I'm doing this, let's do it full time. uh, There's a part of me that's like absolutely terrified, which I'm sure won't go away ever, but. um, Right. Well, and I'm still, I've been doing it for essentially 18 months now. And if I have, you know. A morning like I had this morning where I had five orders that totaled less than 50 bucks. I'm like, oh man, is this, has the bottom dropped out? And I've had a great week, but you get that one day and it's your only source of income. It's different than going to a job and knowing even if it's a slow day today or we're in the pandemic, I'm still going to get that check kind of deal. So it's definitely, that never for me has gone away. Yeah. um, It's, it's a, having that security is there is really nice. But, um, but the thought of, and, and my job right now is fairly flexible, which is, which is nice, you know? Um, but the thought of having that more flexibility of working for yourself, right. Um, it's definitely appealing. Yeah, definitely appealing. And, and this seems like a really, um, I, I won't say it seems easy cause it's not, but it seems like a really good way to do that. Um, you know, cause I, I also, you know, I've thought about like, Oh, I'd love to open a record store or, right. you know, I've, I'd love to open a, a video game store, you know, where I sell retro games or something, but that that's a little more intense when you're talking about, you know, finding a storefront and paying all of those things, having employees, that type of thing. Um, yeah. So I can manage my, and, and I, I like that. So. Yeah, this is a lot more kind of low risk from that standpoint because you're not you're not locking yourself into a three year or a five year lease and all the rest of those things. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely and I'm I'm I've reached that point. I've talked about it a couple times where a, a warehouse space would probably be nice, but I'm still I'm right on that cusp of do I want to take on all that additional overhead? So yeah, I mean it's it's a uh, it's definitely. I've thought the same thing of like, well, it'd be nice to like not have everything in my apartment. Yep. Um, but, but at the same time, it's also nice not to have to pay an overhead where if I don't hit that for that month, um, or I'm not hitting the goals that I want, it's like, I don't have to feel stressed about, about that. Right. So kind of off topic, but you and I talked offline about, doing YouTube and social media and is it, is it the time constraint for you with all the other things that you're doing that has kind of is holding you back from that? Or is there something else? Or cause I sense that it's something that you want to do, but you just haven't jumped in. So I think it's a combination of, of time constraint. If I, if I did it, I'd want to do it right. You know, um, I think it's super, admirable for you putting up, you know, one to two videos every single week. That's, uh, in a podcast, you know, it's like, that's, 
that's a that's a commitment. That's and um, especially considering what it pays, which is essentially nothing, <laughs> yeah, right? Um, my my wife and I um, actually have a podcast that we do, and we were really good at the beginning of the pandemic doing it every week, and now we just do it when we feel like it, which is totally fine and and works great for us. But um, what's that about? To, uh, it's about video games. Um, so that's you know we we just talk about. Um, sort of what we've been playing and every episode my wife gives her uh, animal crossing island update right so, nice it's our, our little slice of nerd heaven you know very um, cool yeah it's called uh, date bit so d and the number eight bit so that was her idea to call nice. it that so I, I think it's 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 fun it's a fun one you know it's it's something that we we both enjoy doing that and so we get to spend you know at least an hour just sitting down and talking about something we love which um which is really nice. Uh, so, but when it comes to like YouTube, it's, it's a combination of like, I'd want to do it right. And also being like, I do not feel comfortable (laughs) talking to a camera all the time. And that's, you know, I, I will have to uh, get over that if I ever decide to start a YouTube channel. But, you know, I, it's, it's definitely something that I'd love to do. And maybe one of these days I'll just, you know, sort of spontaneously be like, okay, today's the day and yeah. then just go for it. So would it, would it be reselling related or do you think you would do like a game kind of dovetail with the current podcast? Yeah. I, I think we've talked about doing like a gaming channel. Um, we've worked on some stuff, haven't quite committed to that yet. Um, but I'd love to do a reselling one. Um, just yeah. cause when I get on YouTube, that's what I want to watch. Um, right. you know, whether it be, uh, you know, Lonnie or Cincinnati picker or you, or, um, you know, any of these I appreciate other... that you even mentioned me in the same breath. Hey, man, <laughs> it's true. I, uh, I always like, I'm a, I'm a completionist when it comes to things. And so one of your videos was actually recommended on my YouTube and I was like, I've never seen this guy. So I click, clicked it and I was like, Oh, he only has, you know, 10 videos or something. I was like, I can watch all of them. So I just like <laughs> marathoned them all. And then I was like, okay, I'll just keep up with it. This is great. And so, yeah, I appreciate I, uh, it. I'm a, I'm a fan. I, what can I say? <laughs> Plus the, uh, the whole record store connection, you know, I, I, I have, I have a lot of love in my heart for someone who owned a record store. So yeah, that, that was, uh, like I said, that was a, a great time, uh, in my life. So, uh, yeah. while I've got you here, is there anything you would recommend to someone who wants to get started in reselling things that you've obviously, we already talked about the shipping thing, which is obviously a big yeah. one for people, but as someone who has fairly recently jumped into this, what are some things that you would recommend that you've seen that would be helpful to a new reseller? You know, um, I think the main thing is, is don't, cause I've done this myself. Uh, like don't box yourself into what you're going to sell. Um, in a sense, like if I go to a garage sale and I, there's no, you know, I don't see any music or I don't see any, uh, video games or I don't see any, you know, easy to sell electronics. Um, sometimes I'll just be like, Oh, I don't know. I don't really want to mess with anything here and I'll walk off. But, um, if I take the time to just look like comps up on some stuff that I'm not familiar with, um, I've been surprised and been like, Oh, this is worth like 50 bucks. What? Like, you know, Uh, so I think it would be like, take the time to do the research when you're out and about and it's going to, I think it'll take longer to go to a sale. Uh, but you know, after a while you'll be able to spot some of those things. Absolutely. Uh, you know, whereas starting out, you're like, I have no idea what anything is worth. Um, right. I did it, you know, um, some people may be smarter than I am, but I definitely was like, I don't know. Like I didn't even know how to look comps up, you know, I was just like, sort of just like going off the cuff. Um, but, but also, and this is something I hear everyone say, it's like, just find some stuff around your house that you don't want anymore and just sell it. Um, I sold, you know, starting out, I was selling a bunch of books actually. So, um, it's very fitting. Uh, and they were all worth nothing. I mean, they were worth like $4, you know, plus media mail shipping, but the thrill of like having a book I no longer wanted and selling it. And even if I made, you know, $2 after fees and everything, it's like, 
I still was like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Like, so that's kind of how you, I think you can get your, your feet wet a little bit without jumping in, um, too far into, uh, you know, putting a lot of capital down. Right. Um, and that's a great, it's a great way to learn because not only are you making a couple of bucks and clearing some stuff out of your house, but you're, you're learning how to do that research. You're learning how to take good pictures. You're learning how to list. Um, you're learning how to be competitive within eBay or whatever platform you happen to be selling on. So there's so much that you can gain by just selling those four to $10 items that you've got laying around your house. And, you know, you eventually probably reach a point where I'm at, where I just, I don't want to mess anymore with stuff that's less than 10 bucks. Cause it's not worth my time. Yep. But when you're starting out, those are such great learning opportunities. 100%. And, um, and this is like, I, I was very fortunate that I was able to do this, but I, I, I started selling and doing everything and I did not spend a dime of my own money when it came to um, everything, because I sold enough out of my house that I already owned right. to buy a label printer, to buy, you know, that type of thing. And um, it was almost a challenge to myself of like, can I do this without putting any money down? Um, and if you have stuff around the house that is worth something that you don't want, it's like, I think you can. I think it's totally doable. And it's, uh, you know, it's something that uh, that I would highly encourage everyone to do. I think this is... It's been, you know, it's been a hard year, but this, this has brought a lot of joy into my life. Um, just being able to not only, you know, provide for myself and my family, but also, um, you know, when you get a, I get a message on eBay, that's like, I've been looking for this for years and I, or right. whatever, you know, it's like, I'm like, that warms my heart so much and being able to bring people happiness for, you know, even though it is like things and stuff and materialism, whatever, but it's, um, being able to like provide that for someone yep. is, I, I love it. It's, it's infectious. Yep. Like you talked about with the nostalgia of the record that was, you know, your father's or your grandfather's, you know, I've sold tons of old books where I've gotten a message where somebody said, you know, I had this book as a kid and I lost it and I've been looking for it forever. And those kind of messages do the money's nice, but those are the yeah. moments that you, you stick out in your head at the end of a day. I'm like, you know, somebody is really, really thrilled to have gotten yeah. this, you know, 1947 book for 12 bucks, you know, and it's yeah. just, yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, I think it really is a service. Uh, you know, you can provide a service to people, um, which if you'll allow me real quick to say, um, I don't believe you're providing a service if you're scalping PlayStation fives or Xbox series <laughs> X's. Uh, I, I find that pretty, pretty terrible personally, but uh, I'm, yeah. and obviously I've had a couple of videos where I've gone down that path yeah, and I know, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with the guy who bought two and wants to sell one to pay for the one he owns. That kind of stuff doesn't really phase me all that much. It's yeah. the guy that's using the bots and the, you know, kind of game in the system to get in front of everybody else. The, you know, the guy that had 212 of them or whatever that I mean, to like, me is, it's just, it's across the line. And I, you know, yeah, I yeah. appreciate, and, I guess the entrepreneurial spirit spirit of it, but it doesn't <laughs> seem fair. <laughs> yeah. And it's for me, it's like, you know, retail arbitrage I'm, is great, right? Like if you can get something at Walmart on clearance, you know, that you can flip, it's like, that's awesome. Um, but when something is this active and like in demand, and if you are buying 200 of them, it's like, come on, like yeah. it, you're taking something away from a child at Christmas is what it feels like to me you right. know, at a certain point is like, so I don't know. That's, that's my, my little soapbox of the day is, you know, that's get one for yourself. And like you said, if you, if you sell, if you buy two and there's more there that you can, you can, you know, pay for it. That's great. But don't, uh, don't buy 200 with a bot. Seems right. Crazy. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, and just the investment in that, you know, I, I would not take on that risk. I mean, that, that particular guy spent over a hundred thousand dollars buying playstations. And if that market didn't pan out the way it did, I mean, your whole business collapses. That's a huge, huge gamble. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, I, I don't think I would do that. Um, like I said, I, I tend to play things pretty safe. So I've I've turned down, you know, lots of uh, stuff that's really good just because the price wasn't quite right. 
Um, yep. And I've, I think I've talked about that a couple of times. Don't be afraid to say no. If the deal doesn't make sense for you, I've, I've had that yeah. several times where I've gotten offers on a lot of books or a lot of CDs or DVDs. And it's just, it's just not worth it. If they're not below a certain value, it's very difficult to make your money back. And why, you know, why take the risk? Absolutely. It's, um, again, that's, that's the thing is like, it's, it is risky, but I, uh, I personally prefer this to, uh, you know, the stock market or something like that. Right. I have a little more control <laughs> over this. Uh, so this yeah. is definitely a lot more what you put in, you get out kind of thing. And yeah. if you'll put in the time and the effort to do the research and become knowledgeable about the product and the process, I, I think the sky is kind of the limit for, for a lot of totally. folks. Totally. And I've also really just enjoyed, I mean, I didn't, you know, I, as a musician, I've always, you know, that's again, not to get too in the weeds, but it's always, you know, filed self-employed, that kind of thing, um, on taxes, but, but doing this is a whole nother kind of ball game. And so getting to learn about, oh, I need to like keep track of these things and, right. and that type of thing. And, and talking with my CPA about, um, that type of thing has been it's been fun, honestly, like the, the business side of it, I find also enthralling just because it is, you know, sort of this, you're a business, right? Like it's not just, it's not a garage sale, you know? It's, so I, I really enjoy that, that part of it. So I think I have a very administrative brain, um, yeah. as weird as that is for a musician, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's so, a real dichotomy there. <laughs> that's some left is, brain, yeah. right brain stuff. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, man, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's good, but, uh, I, I enjoy, I enjoy the, the business part of it as well. So that's awesome. Cause a lot of people don't, yeah, you, you watch people, you know, on Instagram or YouTube or whatever, and they have no, they're not tracking their costs. They have no idea what they've got in stuff. And hopefully the IRS isn't watching people all that closely yeah. in this field. Cause in a lot of cases, the money's not that big. It's not probably worth them to go after somebody yeah. that's making, you know, four or 5,000. But if you're making a substantial amount of money, you know, when you file that, you know, self-employed, that's immediately a flag for the IRS that uh, we want to look at this a little more closely. So, yeah. And I think, um, I think as you talked about this recently, I, you, this will probably air later. I know, but, um, you, you talked recently about, uh, about, you know, comparing yourself to other resellers. Um, and that's something that I've had to like take a step back for sure on because, you know, if I wasn't getting, you know, if I wasn't sourcing as good as I wanted or stuff wasn't selling quite as good, it's like, it's so easy to look at numbers and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm a failure, but it's my, my business model is completely different than, you know, anyone else's because, um, you know, I'm not doing this full time right now. Right. I'm and just you're doing this you're also at a completely different stage of the process. You know, you watch exactly. somebody on YouTube that's been doing this for 10 years, you know, they've yeah. got all the systems in place and they know the market and they know the merchandise. So they're, you know, comparing your business at six months to a YouTube video or an Instagram post of somebody that's been doing it for 10 years can exactly. lead you down a lot of really bad paths. <laughs> yes, it can. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I try, I, I keep track of my numbers, obviously, but I try not to focus on them too much. And I just focus on the, the, I guess the art, the craft of, of listing, taking pictures, sourcing that type of thing. Cause that's, you know, it's fun. Yep. I like it. <laughs> well, I think that's really good advice to end this on. Uh, do you have anything else you'd like to add while I've got you here? Um, not really. No, I just, Thanks for having me on. It's been a blast. Um, I appreciate it. We've been, we've been trying to set this up for uh, quite a while and I'm glad that we finally were able to. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been fun. And, and hopefully one of these days I'll be able to, uh, to have my own YouTube channel that um, maybe we can do this again on my channel. Awesome. That would be great. Well, I appreciate you taking the time out. Um, we're recording this before the holidays. It will air after the holidays, but I yep. wish you and your family the best during the holiday season. Uh, enjoy it. You as well. You as well. Stay safe out there. Absolutely. Thanks again. Yeah. All right. So hopefully you enjoyed that interview. Jimmy, thank you again. Uh, please, if you're into gaming, go check out his podcast uh, that he does with his his wife. It is really, really good. Uh, they talk about all kinds of different games. So if that's, if that's something you're interested in, definitely go check it out. I will link to it 
in the show notes and the description below. Uh, Jimmy, thank you again for taking the time to talk to me. Thank you for watching the channel and reaching out to participate in the interview. Uh, I really appreciate it. With that, we're going to wrap it up for today. I hope you had a great holiday season, a great New Year's weekend. Monday, it's time to get back to work. I'm actually looking at some new projects uh, already in week one of 2021, and we'll be talking about that in the future. So with that, it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.